The process of landing investment banking job offers can often feel like a black box, which leads to confusion and anxiety for most of the candidates going through it. Hey, my name is Sam Shaw, and I'm the founder of Wall Street Mastermind. I've personally coached numerous students on how to successfully break into top-tier investment banks, including Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan, Centerview, Evercore, and PJT Partners, just to name a few. On this podcast, I'm going to help you demystify the investment banking recruiting process by sharing what the clients of Wall Street Mastermind have done to get results like these. Enjoy this episode. What is an example of a technology uh, of a of, of when a tech company could have negative EBITDA but positive free cash flow? Negative EBITDA but positive free cash flow. Is that even possible? Okay, is it possible? Negative EBITDA and a positive free cash flow. Um, so a lot of times they say that EBITDA is the proxy for cash flow, right? Yes. Um, I don't think it'll be possible because if a company is baking in depreciation, um, we will just skip that and jump down straight to EBIT, right? If, if, if the depreciation is baked into the cause and the OPEX, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be having the EBITDA. I'm not sure I understand what you're saying. Maybe I'm confusing myself. No, I'm trying to, because I'm, I'm trying to think of, okay, what would be the negative? Um, what, what, would get, what would generate a negative EBITDA? Um, if, if the company has generated gross profit, um, it would have to be an excess amount of, um, okay, maybe it's an excess amount of equity um, that's not cash basis. Um, contra accounts in the form of operational expenses that's added back to the cash flow of operations. It's something in there that's not cash basis that I'm trying to come up with, but that's the only thing I think I could come up with right now. Mm-hmm. That is getting negative EBITDA, that the EBITDA, um, the, the deduction is so great that it's giving us a negative number. It's putting our gross profit figure in the negative. Mm, it's not the right answer. Anyone else have okay. an idea? I tried. No, I can give it a try. Okay, Kevin. The other Kevin. So, yeah. So, what if there's like a a lot of operating expenses, but there's also like a lot of interest income. So EBITDA would be negative, but um, cash flow would be positive. How though? Um, because interest, cash interest expense is a real cash outflow that you're paying for, right? So that's making like so how how does that how do you get from that to having a positive cash flow? Yeah, I was just thinking like if there's interest income, then that will like if EBITDA is negative and then interest income comes in and it's like enough to make it positive, then cash flow and the cash flow statement will be positive. Mm, it's not the answer I'm looking for. Anyone else? 
Would it be like if you're decreasing networking capital a lot? Because like in the cash flow, free cash flow, like calculation, you go from like EBIT, you tax affect it. Then like you add back depreciation, amortization, subtract CapEx, and then like subtract increase in networking capital. So if like networking capital is decreasing a lot, then like you'd be adding that back. Okay, so now we're on to some things, but but why would that happen for a tech company? Johnny says really high unearned revenue. Yeah, so I think Johnny got it. So it's this this concept of well, he said unearned revenue. It's also called deferred revenue, right? So I said I specify a tech company because there's a lot of these um. SaaS companies, software companies, that the model is software as a service means like they charge you on like a subscription basis, right? So for example, like Netflix is a SaaS company because, um, you know, you're paying like a, a monthly fee or an annual fee and then you can cancel anytime, right? Like that, that's like the definition of SaaS, basically it's like software as a service. Um, and so for a lot of these SaaS companies, what will happen is they'll incentivize, Netflix is not a good example for this, but like, especially for like B2B software where they're selling to businesses, um, they will incentivize their customers to sign up for like an annual plan instead of like a monthly plan. So maybe they'll say like, hey, the monthly price is $10 a month. But if you pay us for the annual plan, we'll only charge you a hundred bucks for 12 months. So you're saving $20, right? Whereas if you pay monthly, it would have been 120 bucks. But if you pay upfront for the entire year, we'll only charge you a hundred bucks. So a lot of companies will do this because it reduces the churn rate for the customers, like their customers are locked in for a year and so they can't leave early, right? And when that happens though, so say if your customer is paying you upfront for the entire year, from a gap accounting standpoint, you can't recognize that $100 that you collected all as revenue right off the bat, right? Like you're only recognizing one month's worth of revenue every single month, which would be like $8 or something, right? It's like $8.30 a month for 12 months, right? Is about $100, right? So each month you might recognize $8 of revenue. And then so like after one month, there will be like $92 of deferred revenue. The, the definition of deferred revenue is you already collected the cash, but you haven't delivered the service yet. So you can't recognize that as revenue. So it's like the deferred revenue is sitting on the balance or sitting on the balance sheet as a liability, right? Like this is money you've already collected, but you haven't delivered services. So, so it's like a, it's almost like money that you owe, right? Until the service is fulfilled. So this gets you in a situation where um, you collected the cash up front already, but the revenue hasn't been recognized, which means the EBITDA, can be negative, right? Because you're, you barely recognize any revenue. And then even though the free cash flow is positive because you have the large influx of cash up front. Does that make sense? So this is something that's pretty common that you see um, with, like, with like any SaaS businesses or 
like these technology companies. Sam, where where does the deferred revenue reduce um, earnings on the income statement? Where where what line is that on the income statement in terms of um, that's actually going to give us a negative EBITDA? Is that in the hogs or revenue is not on the income statement? Deferred revenue is on the balance sheet. Correct. So. How does it? How does it? How does that flow into our EBITDA, though? EBITDA, as in like, um, a lot of the times, like, for these software companies, they'll spend, they'll spend the the, the marketing dollars, the sales and marketing expense, to acquire the customer. That sales and marketing expense gets recognized when it's spent, right? So like, okay. say if I spend $100 today, or say, let's say, let me use a different example. Say I have to spend, usually you want like the, uh, let's say I spend $100 today or $120 today on ads and marketing and paying my salespeople commission and whatever to acquire a customer that's going to pay me $10 a month for the next 12 months. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. break even after one year, right. Because I spent $120 to acquire the customer and then they're going to basically pay me $10 a month. So every month I'm making back $10 and after 12 months, I've broken even on that customer. And then if they stay beyond the 12 months, then everything after that is gravy. Right. Are you, are you still with me so far? Mm-hmm. I'm tracking. So if I spent $120 to acquire the customer, that OPEX is getting recognized right away. But I can only recognize $10 of revenue a month. So in the beginning, I'm going to have $10 of revenue. I'm going to have $120 of expenses. So my EBITDA can be, uh, you know, negative 110, right? And then my deferred revenue is, you know, the balance that I can't recognize yet that I've already co- collected, which is, I guess, mm-hmm. the 110 for the next 11 months that I haven't really delivered the service for. Does that make sense? Okay. And gap accounting only going to let us recognize that one month. From a revenue recognition standpoint, you can't recognize the revenue until you've actually delivered the product or, or the service. And so for a subscription business, like even if I pay you upfront for the entire year, because I want that discount, I haven't used your software yet for the next 11 months. I've only used it for this month. So you can only recognize the revenue for this month. Got it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Could it have like negative EBITDA and positive free cash flow for like multiple years at a time? And that would mean like they're just expanding like the business and having like larger deferred revenue balances? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we talked about this so far and by just like basically looking at only one, one customer, right? Now, obviously, most of these companies are going to acquire a lot more customers. And so it's kind of just like waterfalls and, 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 and the deferred revenue balance can just keep growing, right? Okay. 
And that so makes I, sense. most SaaS companies actually like earlier on, they are usually unprofitable. And so like, if you like graph out their profitability, it's like the faster they're growing, the more unprofitable they are in the beginning. But then also as it comes back up, it hits an inflection point and it comes back up like that, that slope is also a lot steeper. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for a SaaS company, it's not always necessarily a bad thing if they're, if they're unprofitable, because all that means is that like, like if the lifetime value of the customer is really, really high, um, like let's say a customer, let's say like the churn is really low and any customer that comes on, it's going to stay with you for like 10 years. Mm -hmm. That means like the majority of the profit that that, that customer is going to generate for you can be in like the last nine years and not in the first year. Mm -hmm. Right. Does that make sense? And that's not a bad thing. You actually want your customers to stay with you for as long as possible. And so you're not going to say, oh, I'm not going to acquire this customer because, you know, it's going to be hugely unprofitable in the beginning. You're going to be like, oh, I can acquire them for a hundred dollars and they're going to pay me a thousand dollars over a period of the next 10 years. That's, that's a great trade. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's why like most SaaS companies and software companies, they get valued off of revenue multiples because even some of the best software companies, SaaS companies that are public, you see like they're unprofitable at the EBITDA level and certainly at the net income level. So like you can't look at things like EBITDA multiples or PE multiples. So that's why they look at revenue multiples, right? Okay, that makes sense, thanks. Yep. All right. Um, I'm gonna stop here. So, um, I deliberately asked them, I guess, more random, slightly harder questions, Kevin. So just giving you a hard time. <laughs> no, no, this, this, I'm, I'm rusty, so this is really good. Thank you guys for helping out. Um, hopefully we all learn tonight. So I'll see y'all Wednesday night. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, guys. So uh, we can wrap it up here. And then uh, Edgar will be back on Wednesday. And uh, he's doing a Q&A on application and networking stuff. So if you guys need help getting more interviews, then uh, make sure to show up to that. All right? All right, guys. Hit, Thanks. Hit you guys Thanks. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode. Interested in discovering how you can get personalized one-on-one -on -one coaching from Wall Street Mastermind to help you beat out the massive amount of competition out there? Head on over to www.wallstreetmastermind.com slash apply. And the street is abbreviated to ST, so it's really wall, stmastermind.com slash apply. And our team looks forward to speaking with you.